0: Hello and welcome to the Charmed Life Podcast. This podcast is all about magic, metaphysics, mysticism, and the unconditional love of the universe. And I am your host here. My name is Trisha Carr. Welcome to today's episode. This is going to be a solo episode. And in fact, it is is from a live stream that I just gave as I record this intro. And it was very powerful. And so I wanted to publish it in total for you all. Now you'll hear me chatting to the folks who were there in the chat you know who are there on the live stream but i just want you to know that it is there for all of us there is a channeled message at the end that i actually i don't know if i'm supposed to re-listen to it i'm going to ask spirit or if i just need to keep feeling into it because it felt really profound and really powerful and folks who were there said as much as well and it was from a collective of of guides interdimensionals masters some of which are named but many of which could not even be named because everybody who is coming to this whether it was on that live listening in the replay listening to this podcast are bringing their guides to it and my little mind and vessel couldn't possibly (laughs) map all of it and and identify all of the energies even if they we wouldn't have had the time how about that we wouldn't have had the time if we sat down and listed all of them because it would have just been not the point how about that So you will feel, if you, you know, are so inclined, your energy in it, your guides in it, and that's at the very end. And so, but we go through, I'm talking about in this, some tips for empaths, I actually talk a lot about human design, and I give you all of the details in there. Now, there is a mention of a graphic that I'm talking about. So I'm I'm pointing to a graphic on the live video of the human design chart The emotional center or the solar plexus. So I just want to let you know that you can go and pull your human design chart by just searching, you know, human design chart, or you can go to Jovian Archive, which is the name of the platform, the official name of the platform for human design, and you can check it out. All right, well, without any further delay, I hope you will enjoy this. Remember, again, the parts where I'm giving some readings or some intuitive insight you know, Spirit really organizes that there is something in it for all of us. So I hope you enjoy. Welcome to my magic hour tonight, everyone. I'm really excited to be here with you. I'm here to share some tips for empaths, highly sensitive folks, and uh, also to do some readings. Okay, everyone, I want to share with you, this is actually um, the tiniest bit of a sneak peek of a lesson that is in the intuitive intensive and the link there is right there but let me tell you the intuitive intensive is an eight-week immersive program designed to blast open your psychic intuitive abilities and more than that it is a personal spiritual development program it is designed to help you to live with your intuition to have evidential psychic intuitive experiences and i will say that the way that crystal Ann compton and i uh, teach and contextualize psychism is that it is all about unity. It's all about the light and the magic that we experience is like there's no magic if it's not magic for all. So that's why it has a has that personal development feature with it as well. And that is coming up the registration will be active available until Monday the twenty fourth or or maybe Tuesday the twenty fifth because we start on the twenty fifth. It is to really trigger. And cultivate an awakening at whatever place that you are in your connection with being uh, your being a psychic or being connected to your intuitive abilities. And these are perfectly natural. Intuition is natural. Intuitive abilities meaning like you actually have skills to you to do magic and to uh, to have energy manifest according to your intention and intention and attention and uh that's uh you know I was kind of bumping around in this world for a while until about gosh I think it's eight eight ten years ago now and I did actually meaning I was enduring my unawakened time somewhat unawakened you know what I mean like that it's not that we're we have all of these mini awakenings. And even if you have a grand awakening, as I did several years ago, which the demarcation of that grand awakening was awakening to really fully embracing my metaphysical philosophy and my mystic artistry, and then being able to make that into evidential spiritual skills, evidential psychic skills, or skills that provoked evidences. And that's alchemy. That's magic. That's what the intuitive intensive is designed to do, and to have you shift your life in that manner. Let me see. How do you know when you're having an awakening? How long does it last? Well, you know, I'll keep you posted because I'm still having an awakening. No, well, I don't know. I mean, that's that is very subjective. It's very personal. Um, an awakening is ep- epiphanic. You know, having epiphanies about your perspective, shifting and changing your perspective about coming out of conditioning and so that's why it's very subjective it's very personal when okay well this is thank you so much spirit has giving me an example that maybe you can actually relate to this Mikey I'm not sure if this is kind of tailored for you because you have this experience like I have had I in my past because I have I have a tendency I have a shadow aspect that is very predominant in codependency it has partly to do with my my design, because my gene in my gene keys profile, I have the shadow of codependency in three places, and then you know that magnetizes from the dispatch into this incarnation the a setup that will challenge that, and the challenge is the you know the way to transcend it. So that means that my family was uh, dramatically in codependent provoking behaviors. My father was a violent alcoholic. Uh, my mother is still with us and I'm not going to disparage her character in any way, but at any rate, um, so I was, I, I moved into, and in my very first adult relationship or yeah, pretty much my first adult relationship was with a, an, a, a very narcissist, like I'm positive this person would have been diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder, a very controlling narcissist and I was a very disempowered, enabling codependent. And I was in that relationship for seven years, like a friggin' disciple, like a servant to it. And really, it came to the point toward the end of the seven-year period where I wished one of us would die. I, I'm admitting that. And, and I would have that, Ugh, like when I would think it, because I was like, and I wasn't feeling violent against him or myself. But I thought I can't live the rest of my life this way, and that's how like codependent I was and how lost uh, of identity I was to me, there was no option to leave and anyway, there's a lot of, i mean, if I told you the whole holograph of this, you'd be like entertained uh, but any at any rate, like that's what it came down to was essentially it was killing me, and so when I was having those thoughts of Of you know, maybe one of us will die. And I didn't say I wish I would be like, in my mind, the thought would be like, maybe one of us will die and then this will end. And that was kind of like making me go, no, 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 no. That's not appropriate. That's not, that's not life. At some point I realized I need to start living. And so I started to make some movements in, in the flow of having an identity Which was so ridiculous. All it was was like having one phone call with a friend because that's how controlled I was. And it angered him if I had a phone call with a friend. And then the other thing that I did that was the bold and brash move in our situation was for me to take one class at the community college during the summer session. And it was like music 101. You know what I mean? Like music history 101. And it was such a, Uh, departure from his approval and control that he knew that it was a huge move. Now I'm telling you this long story because I feel like a lot of us can relate to it, but also I'm directly answering your question, Mikey, so hang with me. And so I really decided to take this class He was doing all of the regular things that he does to try and punish me for it, which really was throwing fits, giving me the cold shoulder, like acting like it was making him sick. It was hurting him that I was doing something like that. And why are you doing that? And all of that kind of stuff. And I was like, I just want to. And so one night in the middle of the night after I had already taken the first class, this person uh, was up and I could, I mean, he woke me up from my, my empathic nature. He knew how to work my empathic nature. So he woke me up basically telepathically or tele-empathically. And I was like, even in the other room, cause we didn't sleep in the same rooms. And I went in the room and I was like, what's going on? Because he had energetically woke me up and he was just kind of like, I don't, I can't even describe it. Like physically, like he would just be like, uh, acting all dramatic and grunting, like, oh, I'm hurt. And I was like, you know, what's up? And he's like, he just said to me, just kind of looked at me very, almost soberly and honestly for once. And he said, you haven't made any decisions that you can't unmake. And what he was saying to me was he was giving me an ultimatum was stop taking this class, which means stop defying me and come back into this. But I just chose to hear it very, another literal way, which was, you can unmake the decision to be in this relationship. And I was, that was a moment of awakening for me. And I took that and I ran. And I say I ran because it was a a year long process to part ways with this person because he still kept trying to pull me back. But I chose to stay awakened. I chose to be awake in that and to see and let everything crumble. All of the red flags, all of the conditioning, all of the controlling, I chose to negate it and I chose to no longer live it. So that for me was an awakening. That awakening took, I mean, it lasted a year because in that specific situation, it took me a year to get out of it after I had the uh, ep- epiphanic, the epiphany of awakening to it and saying, I'm choosing that this this is the permission for me to to dismantle the contract of being in this relationship and potentially dying because one of us was going to die. So that was an awakening. So spiritual awakening isn't only about realizing that maybe you have psychic abilities. It's something much more profound than that. And so the way that my metaphysical awakening happened was I was waking up every morning after having really improved my life. And I had a career that I loved and a partner that I loved and everything. And I had a wonderful family, but I kept waking up having these feelings and I would go like, what is this? It's, and I would like, let it bubble And I would let it come up into a thought. And the thought would be, I hate my job and I'm afraid of this day. And it was literally the opposite at the time. I loved my job. I loved what I was doing. And so it was really confusing to me. And I thought, well, this isn't good for my health. It's hard enough to have the thoughts that I do think and the feelings that are mine. And I didn't know they they weren't my feelings, but I just knew they weren't appropriate because they didn't align with me. So I was like, why should I have negative feelings and thoughts that aren't even true for me? I already have my body. Already has to deal with the stuff that I create. So I was confused by it, and I didn't know the word empath, or I had not really paid any attention to it. I had heard it on Star Trek and Charmed, but I didn't really, you know, think about it. And I would- had never had a psychic reading. I was not into anything psychic or mystic, not fully at least. I had been studying consciousness expansion from Eckhart Tolle and Deepak Chopra and stuff like that, but that's not the same as, you know what we do. You know, the psychism and everything. The Eckhart Tolle isn't t- talking to you about how to develop your psychic skills. And so, I just it seemed to me on a whim to book an appointment, a 15-minute appointment with a psychic. And why not? My mind is strong, so see I'd already had that awakening that my mind wasn't weak and that I could just be in some situation and not be carried away by it. And And so I booked this 15-minute call, and that was the first thing she said was, well, you're an empath, right? Like, she thought I just knew that. And I was like, wow, what's that word? I don't know. And she's like, well, an empath is someone who has feelings and that that other people, they pick up feelings as though they are their own, and they have other people's thoughts and feelings. And as she was saying the words, I started to sob, even though I didn't fully grasp them. I was actually, they were coming into my energy without my cognitive mind catching up. So that was an awakening moment. And so then that set me on a journey to uncover my animal communication, to uncover my mediumship, to uncover blah, blah, blah. And so the bulk of that awakening process, there was this, again, this stark moment of like power, like pow. And I mean, that lasted for me in that, that particular time, I would estimate about six weeks, and then after that, I started like moving along and opening up these different skills and shifting my life. But then the long tail of it is I still am. I still am learning about what it means to be an empath and learning about what it means to be an empath who doesn't have to be codependent, but can be sensitive in a strong way that actually leads to a divine gift of something that is like divine sacrifice and not not to the depletion like a martyr, but being able to Sacrifice this personal ego for the collective ego, and to really am um, I'm still learning that so the awakening continues to go on. I hope that's helpful, Mikey. I don't know. I don't know if that's helpful, but yeah, yeah, I was I was afraid of the day. I really was. <clears throat> it makes sense. You're welcome. Thank you for asking. And Alicia says, oh, that made the harem on, on my next stand up. You haven't made any decisions you can't unmake. I know. And you know what is so weird? I, honestly, here's the deal, Alicia, that when he said that to me, it was actually, I had a little, I had a mini epiphany. It's like having a mini orgasm, but you know, you kind of like keep going. I had a mini epiphany while I was saying that because I didn't realize until now that he actually meant at the time I was visiting the timeline he meant you can stop taking that class and I won't be mad at you anymore. I didn't, I chose not to hear it that way. Like my, my higher self kept me from that version of it. So I wouldn't lose my identity once again, because what I heard from him was you have a way out of this because you can unmake the, re- the decision to be in this relationship that actually just came to me. And it's been, how old am I? It's been 20 years. That's amazing. So, how long does an awakening last? <laughs> that's wild. I gotta say, that's wild. I was just moving along, so I wanted to tell the story, but I really did just have that awareness show up. Uh, super manipulative. Yes, absolutely. I know. John Rodriguez says he loves the Gene Keys. I'm happy you referenced that work. Oh my gosh. So, John, I am taking the um, the pearl sequence right now which is a, a, a one of the programs. Um, we're about halfway through. And um, yeah, I love the Gene Keys too. I'm a reflector. My human design is a reflector. And it's almost like there's no design is what a reflector is. So the Gene Keys has so much for me to dig into. And I'm so into it. Everyone, if you don't know what we're talking about, the Gene Keys is a system that has been... Um, created formed I don't know what you would say by Richard Rudd and the book you could just find the book Gene Keys and I love to both read it and listen to it because he uh, I mean he's so such a it's just so phenomenal and it's based on well first of all he says that you know because he worked with human design for a very long time I don't know how long a decade or more and so he says that's definitely a foundation for it but he expanded it even more in the area of the I Ching. And it's, um, hi, Danielle. And so, yeah, it's it's amazing. So it's one of the things, is an archetypal system. So you put in your birth date and the time and, and place. And then you get this wonderful chart. And it shows you these different spheres that hold your gene key and then each gene key has a shadow, has these r- these frequency rings of shadow, gift, and city, S-I-D-D-H-I, which means divine gift. So gene key 19 is in three places on my chart. God bless me. <laughs> and the, the uh, shadow of gene key 19 is codependency. The gift is sensitivity. And the city is sacrifice and the sacrificing it's really what's really amazing about it when i talk to friends about it and i contemplate gene keys is that from the shadow level if you try to look at the city you're like but that's what the shadow does like codependency is sacrifice right no but you can't really see the the city from the gift but you can see the you can see the city from no excuse me you can't really see the city from the shadow but you can see the city from the gift. So as I am vibrating with the gift of sensitivity, which means to be aware of what everyone is feeling and needing in a way that I can be help to be a balance, hold space for it without identifying to it, which is what a codependent does, a codependent releases their identity their personal identity to be someone else's identity, to be be another ego identity and different ego identified. And so then, but sensitivity is more of the, uh, it's more independent, but it's beginning to become interdependent. And that's what the sacrifice city is. A sacrifice means I don't need my personal ego. I am one with the field and let's move together. And so that's what it's actually the elimination of competition when we're in that frequency ring of sacrifice. Oh, yes, I know. Yes, thank you. I can't suffer enough to make you happy. That's absolutely true. I reference that in my mind a lot, and I reference it in teachings. You know, um, Esther Hicks, Abraham Hicks, uh, you can't become sick enough to make someone else well. Oh, Chastity says that. My son passed away in 2015 and his passing has awakened me. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for your loss. And that is actually an interesting, if we can say that, a bittersweet gift that does happen with our loved one's passing. And in fact, with my own personal awakening that I was just talking about, my best friend at the time, her her mother-in-law passed, who was really like a mother to her but she didn't tell me about it for a few weeks because she was just like so devastated. And, you know, we didn't live that near to one another. So it was like, not that it wasn't that uncommon that we wouldn't talk for a few weeks. And she was just having such a difficult time. Her, because I'm an empath too, I think her pain and grief actually caused me to have an awakening by proxy because of what was happening to her. And I didn't even when I didn't even know that that was what was happening. But here's what happens when our loved ones pass: a piece of us leaves the physical realm because they are a piece of us. The a physical piece of us is. I mean, it's as your son; he's he is a part of your body, and so as the part of him that creates his body left this dimension. And that a piece of you went to the beyond. And that takes your awareness, that takes your consciousness, that takes you to that perspective. And so that's why it triggers an awakening. Because if, we, if, if being asleep means to be not looking to a higher realm, but being paying attention to this set of information, but then a part of you moves to a higher perspective, then that's, there's like the the awakening, you know, and in, 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 in literal senses, then we may start experiencing our loved one's presence and, you know, all these different evidences will show up, but that's an energy side. That's what's happening. I'm sorry, Chastity. Okay. All right. So I wanted to give you guys some tips on on, on being an empath and an HSP. So first of all, a piece of the leaves with them. Yes. Yes. Well, you know what, Brad, I will tell you and how I, I mean, I experienced that a few times, but one way that that showed up for me and I'll get to the empath thing. One way that that showed up for me in, in a way that made it so concrete was actually when my father passed and he passed in 2016 and my father had not been in my life for, 30 years, maybe 40. I don't even remember how long. So, you know, he, my mother and I left him when I was like 11. And then by the time I was 13, we moved out of state and I didn't see him again. I saw him one time when I was 19 for one visit. And then the last couple of years of his life. So I was around, I was in my mid forties. I saw him a couple of times because it was like he, well, I saw him after my husband and I got married. My husband wanted to meet my dad. We've been together nine years, got married. My husband's like, let's see if we can meet your dad. <laughs> and so I saw him then. And then I saw him like, I can't remember if it's once or twice more because he was having events that seemed like they were at the end of life. And so he wasn't in my life. So when he passed, while I did actually cross him over in, you know, in a spiritual trance, um, he wasn't in my life. So my grief wouldn't be this, wouldn't be typical. You know, when you lose someone that you love, there's this tremendous pain that they're no longer in your life. But my dad hadn't been in my life for most of my life. So I didn't have loss in that sense, but a part of me that was physical that was my dna that was my soul contract that was my energy that was my ancestry it's this proximate ancestry had left this plane and so for the few days around that even though i wasn't even i didn't go back to his funeral even because it was such chaos and it wasn't helping anyone for me to be there i i was just the few days around that i was so like out of it i was so and i remember talking to my husband and going like oh my gosh i just feel so astral like it's so hard for me to be grounded and I heard spirit, I heard my guide say very clearly, yes, because a piece of you have has left this plane. And so your energy has to learn how to reassimilate without that piece of you here. This wasn't even a person that I was close to, technically speaking, not emotionally speaking, not relationally speaking, just physically and spiritually, obviously, ancestrally. So then I was like, oh, so that's what happened there. Okay. For realsies though, let's talk about the empath. So an empath is someone who experiences other people's emotions as though they are their own. And those emotions then also often become thoughts because that's what emotions do. Now I wanna say that there is a shadow way for that or a codependent way for that. And there is a way that is both appropriate And natural, and still like experiencing it so uh, fully. Okay. So, an empath that is experiencing outside energies as though they are their own, they can feel them. But if they lower their vibration to them and identify to them, then that is doing a disservice. Then that's the codependence because they've lost their sovereign frequency. They've lost their sovereign vibration to it. They've given it up. They can hold their sovereign frequency, hold that little, still small voice of, I wonder what good is coming of this. That pinpoint of light that can grow into the fountain of light that is available for the purpose of being able to experience all that is around if they can experience it so profoundly yet not give up the last bit of identifying to it, then the light that is not displaced by that identity, the light that it can grow and then it can fill the field. And then that field becomes basically so filled and potent with light that it is like an acid solution. And I think it's the energy intensive or yeah the energy intensive which i believe we'll be doing later this year in which i actually give a demonstration i give a put a little video up of acid solution dissolving anything that moves through it so that's what the empath can do they can have that energy come through know it uh you know feel it i and and fully understand its identity but not become the identity because as i forgot who said it you can't become You can't become sick enough to make someone else well. But see, the codependent or the empath has been conditioned to use that capacity, that talent, that superpower to be able to fully experience someone else's needs, desires, turmoil, or even positivity. Because if it's a heightened positivity, that can mess you up too, (laughs) if you're identifying to it inappropriately. And just to be able to give up the identity or the sovereignty to it, then that's what the empath has sort of been bandied about in in this world and conditioning the emotional or empathic nature to, to do it the wrong way. So I want to, well, here's the deal. I want to show you something that I put together. This is something that I have, um, pardon me, I'm, I'm having a hard time multitasking la 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 is this it no is this it yes okay in my experiences with clients and students as I ask for their charts I mean I look up their 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 human design charts and I actually did an experiment over the summer it was where I developed a system a 12 a 12-step System for empaths, and it's more than just the 12 steps, too. And I worked with some people voluntarily, and I developed a system that helps empaths to become empowered and awakened, and to turn that which is really like the autoimmune system of the emotional body into the right way of the well being machine as opposed to attacking itself. And I noticed that I mean, it's not even that radical of of something to notice, I'll say, but. Okay. So in, if you pull your human design chart and this center right here, the solar plexus, which in human design, they often also call the emotional center. That is the center that if, if you have that undefined, if you have it white like that, then those are usually people who identify as empaths or, or they just are highly empathic and whether they know that word or not, like I didn't know it for a long time, so it didn't really matter whether identified as it. And because with that open or undefined, I should say is, is more appropriate, that undefined emotional center, then I'm going to read to you from this app because it says it really eloquently. The um, person with the undefined solar plexus, it, uh, people with an undefined solar plexus take other people's feelings and emotions and amplify them. I said that, I amplified, amplify, because I want to expand upon that. Um, And the most important thing for them is to understand that the emotions that they feel is very, it's very likely that they're not theirs. And then of course, they should only make decisions when these emotions have passed. Honestly, that's true for everyone. You should only make decisions when the emotions have passed, because if you have a defined emotional center, you also, then you're an emotional authority and you should wait until the emotions have passed. And that essentially too, the other thing to say about that is that's being in a state of hypnosis. And if it's a negative emotion, then it's the fight flight, which is not the authoritative mind for anyone. So what I wanted, when I amplified amplify, as I said, that people who have an undefined solar plexus take other people's feelings and emotions and amplify them. Amplification actually can happen with any of these open centers, any of these undefined centers, whatever the issue is or the concern you know the energy of these centers you can also amplify there so like the one that's right there in the middle that is the square and that is that is the identity center and so people with an unidentified identity center may end up looking for love and direction their whole life the wisdom of this undefined center is to go through life as a chameleon understanding that their identity is dependent upon the environment and is transient so if you are if you are, if you have an undefined identity center it's about you know it's about love and love of the self and if someone else is feeling a lack of self love then you may amplify that But anyway, back to the emotional center and what people, I would say it makes sense if you have any of these open that you may sometimes feel like you have that empath thing going on, but particularly because this has to do with the emotions, this emotional center, the solar plexus being open, that amplification is essentially like I am feeling, okay, my husband is feeling sad. I am feeling that emotion because that's what I do with an emotional, an open emotional center. But I feel it like it's on a seven. Whereas for him, it may feel like it's a three. I amplify it. So there is a good function to it. Weirdly enough, as long as I don't believe it, as long as I don't succumb to it and give over my sovereignty to it, I can basically Pump light into it, and that's an amplification that will be helpful. Now, what does that look like in life? I'll take this down for a second. What is that? Is that so abstract? I'm saying pump light into it. Well, I can hold the light in the awareness of my husband feeling sad, and what that means is that I'm available. Maybe that I'm holding space, as we say. So I'm available to him, and as I'm holding the light, that it, then just maybe it is just the metaphysical plane where prayer and energy. Is working. I'm, and maybe it then shows up in actions. If he's sad, then I'm doing some extra things around the house. I'm giving some extra encouragement and nurturing to him that will help him to be soothed. And then I'm available. To dispense wisdom, because if I'm filled with light and I've pumped this amplification full of light, then I'm holding the space of, I wonder what good is coming of this, and that sadness actually is bringing us to a greater hope, or whatever it may be. If I can hold that light and not be matching his frequency, then I'm available to the healing. But I can feel it at, that is is as important as it is my own, because that's what the empath does, that's what the open uh, solar plexus will do and if i can identify to the hope in the situation or identify to the light in it even though it's by the way i i will tell you it's super uncomfortable to be feeling those things that deeply but you know what is a good medicine for that discomfort holding the light so what is holding the light this is it's imagery it's a metaphor but it it's also in a metaphysical sense literal i see it as or i feel it as filling my field with light that column of light And that light is purifying, that light is source light, that light is God light. And it fills every nook and cranny of the space that is meant to be mine and it extends beyond it. So I don't even know what the space that isn't mine. So you see how I've now moved from codependency of losing my identity to sensitivity of understanding what's happening and allowing light to be pumped into the knowing of what's happening and then sacrificing my personal ego identity to the one identity because I am light and that's what I mean. And I can, I choose to hold it because for me, I feel that pull of the pain of that emotional resonance. And then I choose to, to hold the resonance of light so that then as that still comes into my energy profoundly and directly and literally, it's met with light, which can only offer, can only diffuse, can only love. And so for me, it is actually a feeling. It's more than just a visualization because those I'm more of clairsentient. It's holding that light and I feel it threatened because I'm like, what if I just go ahead and crumble and feel extremely sad? And then I go, no, I'm going to hold the light because something good can come of this. So that's what that's what I have for you as a tip. Let's see, I'll show you that again. And that is this this little guy here. But again, if you have that defined, it could be any of these other centers. It could also be the gates that are that are undefined that could also pull in sensitivity. And I'll just tell you also that in the intuitive intensive, I go deep into this lesson and I also talk about HSP, which is a, a little bit more complex and that's that. So, <laughs> what do you keep into yourself? Alyssa, what are you giving to yourself? I have to take a sip. Um, Let's see. Someone says here they have an undefined G center. So Alicia has an undefined G center, which is the, I would always forget that. Is that the heart or or the identity? I forget which one is the G center because it's like a nickname. Will you remind me which one that is, Alicia? Is it the heart or is it the identity? Oh, I'll look at it in a second. You don't want (sighs) to. All right, guys. So let me see what we got here. This is important, folks. It could take a lifetime to separate yourself from other people's emotions. Amen. Um, Rachel, I only have two centers closed to find. Mm mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because, again, all of the charts are so amazing uh, because I also see people if they have a a good amount of definition, like is this one? No, this one's pretty open. The one that my example, because if they have if they have, let's say, rather than having only two defined centers, which means you're very open and which means and being open means that you are both vulnerable to conditioning. But it also means you have the greatest capacity for gaining more wisdom from that center. It's a paradox. And then I see people, if they have a, like a lot of definition, let's say they have all defined but one or two centers, it's almost like it puts so much pressure on those two that are undefined, those open ones, to like, you know, they, they get even more, ampl- they amplify even more because they have so much stable energy in all of the other areas. Uh, yeah, every chart is beautiful and amazing. Identity. Okay, thank you. I'm I'm thinking that that's what we're saying is that the identity center is the G center. Thank you for reminding me of that. And that is so the identity. Okay, you know what? See, that's the thing. I also see a lot of people who are like empaths or feel like they're an empath. I see them with the unidentified unidentified i feel the undefined identity center because it's the same thing like losing your identity to something which will be primary and then secondary to that maybe they start to feel the feelings of the identity lost so um that was the one that i just mentioned as the example actually was the identity um what is mikey saying Is the Jovian Archive the same design chart you use? Uh, Yeah. I think that one that I just showed you – actually, no. I think the one that I just showed you is actually from an app that I have. And I don't – this app is just called Human Design. And there – but there are a lot of different apps. Um, Gosh, I think – I'm forgetting her name right now. Zoe is our first name. And I think she has an app and people like that one, but I'm not using that one. The main reason that I am using this app is because I need quick reference (laughs) to all the things and I just found that one first and I bought it. You know, I paid a little money for it. But yeah, Jovian Archive is online. Jovian Archive is the official um, human design platform. And Kayla says... I work at a homeless shelter and volunteer at an animal shelter. A lot of chaotic energy in both places and as an empath I really struggle some days even when I focus on holding the light. Yeah. I I hear you. And thank you so much for doing that work. <sighs> yeah, I know. And it's it's I I get it and 100% definitely wouldn't say we're ever perfect, we're human. It's just really nice to know that it's possible and that can help us at least on some of the days. And it still helps us on all of the days, I think, you know, because I know that I've had a string of hundreds and hundreds of days where I didn't have any of that deconditioning, you know, to be able to hold the light because that's really natural for us to hold the light. But yeah, I mean, you, you have, you're building up so much you have your heart is collecting so much compassion and actually if we can collect too much compassion it becomes density because compassion and grief that is meant to be processed and so yeah you're you're essentially becoming a dumping ground in the trash can the the vessel of of what you are receiving it just becomes full so there's, I mean, the, the, what I would say is, actually, I want to pull you a card, Kayla. Is that okay? I'm just going to pull you a card. I mean, you're sharing vulnerably, and you're not asking specifically for a reading. So that's why I'm just going to pull you a card to see if there is a um, advice or comfort. Which card does she want? Which card for Kayla? Which card? Okay, thank you. And I mean, which card deck? So I'm pulling from the Atlantis deck. Yeah. I mean in the place that you are, it's, it is focusing on holding the light and that is keeping you healthier and it's helping others. And then, yeah, just energy hygiene in this, it, with it being as prolific of work that you're doing. And here we go. Uh-uh. Oh, it says mind control. <laughs> I'll show you the image. Oh yeah. You can kind of see it. It's far away. From early childhood, the Atlanteans practiced mind control. They were able to focus their thoughts into a stream of energy to move objects, light up or program crystals, and ultimately manifest their will. In the Halcyon days, they only ever used this power for the highest good of all. The highly trained magi were expected to control all of their bodily functions, including temperature, sugar levels, and metabolism. They also mastered their energy fields so that they could levitate, bilocate, and render themselves invisible. Your guidance is to watch your thoughts carefully today, for an undisciplined mind can be influenced by others and creates chaos. A positively focused mind is a tool for powerful leadership. Concentrate this power for the benefit of everyone and for your own self healing. Concentrate the power of your mind for good. Wow. That's talking about. That highly empathic nature, yeah. So, I what I would take from this, Kayla, is I'm sure if you can maybe uh, triple up on your priming to be able to go into these situations, and that will help because sometimes it's going to be you know, we go through cycles, and it's like you're doing really great on your practice and your personal development, spiritual development, consciousness practice, But sometimes we need to up-level it in order to help the mind to become more healed and hold more positive and, you know, directed. And they're talking about, like, evidential mind frequencies. Um, and that'll help you to be healthy and help you. And they're just encouraging you, it seems to me. Like, they're just encouraging you that to keep it up and that you have the skills and tools to keep evolving and even though it becomes heavy and dense well thank you again for that work and thanks for sharing it is diana cooper's atlantis cards it just says atlantis cards yeah (sighs) okay a lot of chaotic energy thank you for I'm in healthcare and lots of chaotic energy in my office can be challenging at times. Yeah. Thank you for that work that you're doing. I really appreciate it. We really appreciate you. So um, let's see. I'm going to skim through and I'm going to see if anybody has, uh, I, I, I want to see if anybody has any other, uh, anything you'd like to share or if you would like some um, intuitive insight on. Kayla says it's a lot of heaviness for sure. I've been thinking about it more ways I can build up my energy. Thank you. Oh, thank you for that reassurance. Absolutely. Build up the energy. That's a good way to say it. And I have to remind myself of that too. How you can build up your energy because you know, you're connected to all the resources that you need. Um all right. So, I would like to actually you know what I think I'm going to do is oh, wait, someone's I'm all over the place. I get a little Alyssa says human design is fascinating. I had a reading once, and it was pretty blown away by the accuracy. I know that's how well we are known. That's how specifically we are designed. I love it. Yeah, yes, like charging a battery, that's right. Being able to charge up your energy, it's like charging a battery. And you know the, the what they're actually telling me that's important for us to know too is to realize that batteries start to they start to lose their capacity to hold a charge you know and you know in in the this life a battery that is losing its capacity to hold a charge let's say if it's a rechargeable battery then it needs to be discarded eventually but for us before we you know that does happen to us eventually like toward the end of our life whatever that path would be but if, what we can do is that we can actually go into deeper recharge states which is why we have things like mercury retrograde which is why we have the different festivals of the uh, you know of nature and why we have seasons is so that we can be encouraged and compelled even to go into that deeper recharging state so that we're not only just building up the energy but we're rebuilding the tool we're rebuilding the body and the mechanism and that's important for us too and the thing is the conditioned program, the you know, the matrix, the field, the you know collective, unconscious, would have us move through all of those things, move through all of the festivals, the holidays, the mercury retrogrades, the whatever, all of the retrogrades, all of the times, or even a day off, or sleeping appropriately, all of these things that we are encouraged or conditioned to blow past. But that's not how nature works, and you are nature. But yeah, absolutely. Oh, here we go. Brandy would like something. Can you give me advice on me as an empath and daughter who is empathic, highly sensitive as well? I shield every day and ground. Good. Keep that up. And so the first thing they're telling me is that they want to give you the word permission and they want you to find more ways to give yourself permission. Okay. Thank you. So they're explaining to me We really need to hear the word empath when it is a struggle or a challenge or we're suffering from the empathic nature, then we can just call it codependent because we are energetically codependent, meaning we are losing our spiritual energetic identity to something. And so where were you guys going with that? Thank you. Permission slips. So they say, permission, give yourself more permission to be who you are, which may mean that you are tired and you need to somehow honor the fact, you first have to honor and embrace the fact that you are tired or that you need less stimulation. And that when you first honor it, then the field will start to show it up in your life. And so that may mean that you need more meditation. That may mean that you need more sleep. It may mean that you needed less work. It may mean a lot of things, you know, it may mean that, that there's someone in your life who you need to spend less time with. And they may be someone that you love and someone that depends on you, but you still may need to spend less time with them. Um, it, it can mean all kinds of things. It can mean permission to come home from the day and meditate before you do anything else. And the meditation can look like maybe it's taking a bath before you make dinner. So, that, how do I do that? Because everyone's home well if you honor it first then the life starts to change around it and so they say give yourself permission to be more of who it is that you really are and that the clues to that are the ways that you feel the clues to that are the ways that you feel and the loudest clues are the ways that you feel bad because when you feel bad it means that the 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 gentle nudges have gone on and on and on and on and, on, and that we have ignored them And we've said that I don't have permission to honor that. I don't have permission to listen to that. I don't have permission to take action upon that. Then it starts to become painful. Subconscious mind always gets what it needs. If we try to sublimate our desires, they don't go anywhere. They get louder and they become patterns that create um, discomfort, suffering. But they want to give you the word permission as a way to shape mantras as a way to reshape your life and to talk to your daughter about her to get her in touch with her personal energy her personal sovereignty and i would look at her chart too brandy and see i mean her human design chart and see what her authority is and help her to understand how to use her authority and her strategy since we're in a human design moment here and I think that would be really fantastic. And, but to give her, I have permission to take care of my body. I have permission to take care of my emotions. I have permission to take care of my mind by spending time in my meditation, my contemplation, or perhaps my bath. And to make it, to turn this difficulty and the struggle into celebration. I have permission to take the struggle and allow it to show me where the celebration is in this very frequency because again if we think about like we take a cue from the gene keys where they are frequency bands of shadow gift and divine gift if we are suffering because of our sensitivity then we know there's a celebration available as we move through the challenge of the shadow authority (laughs) Have to show you. You can't make this shit up. I just told you to deal, look at your daughter's authority. Oh my gosh. I mean, that's the whole message. It's not just that I told you to, you know, the to look at your daughter's chart and help her with her working with her authority, but also giving yourself permission, taking the authority back. And so this card says the frequency of authority reminds us. That true authority is powerful, directed, and realized, yet receptive, wise, and loving. That is so important. It is so important for the highly empathic person to realize that true authority is not just powerful and direct, which is great because we need that, but it is also receptive and wise and loving. Boundaries are loving for others, just as loving for others as they are for you. Boundaries are about keeping your energy in. And about showing others who you truly are. And you know what? Who they truly are wants to know who you truly are. That's just a fact. That's just really it. So that's what boundaries help us to. And we need to, they're saying permission because they want you to know that you may need to put boundaries around your life and the way that you've said yes to things that are not right for you, they're not correct for you and that you maybe need to put some boundaries up around that. And we don't have to let that overwhelm us. It's one piece at a time. We joyfully embrace the, the, you know, the gift that is being offered and identify to, I'm getting better at shifting my life. I'm giving myself permission to shift my life. Maybe it's my hours, the, the time that I'm spending on things that, are depleting me versus things that are filling me up. I'm I'm getting better at that and I give my pers- myself permission to take back my energy, to call back my energy and to continue to fill it up with those activities and those contemplations that are correct for me that help me to stay full and filled with that light so that I am of the greatest service. And I trust. I trust that the field and everyone here on their purest level want that from me i trust i'm saying this for myself too thank you thank you amen i trust that the field wants that from me and therefore it is conspiring to provoke it from me to compel it from me my highest service being filled with light being balanced being in, in the treasuring of myself so that i can be treasure for everyone else this is how literal energy is. This is what the golden rule means. Love thy neighbor as thyself. These are equal. This is equal. There is no way for it to be out of balance. Out of balance always seeks balance. And so I truly trust that my highly sensitive nature, that my empathic nature is here to hold the light and be this greatest wisdom that it can, a child who is sensitive to the needs of all that are there, including the adults, including those who are of a greater stat, statue of life, stature of life, can give us the most profound of wisdom because it comes directly from source. It comes directly from the source. It comes directly from source. And so we channel this to you now and we give to you the turquoise light. And those of you who would choose to feel and hear this, if you would close your eyes and breathe deeply in and feel the turquoise light, the ray of turquoise, which is the Christ light of becoming human, spirit becoming human, and expressing itself as balanced and beautiful human, we give to you the turquoise ray. And we Grant you with the number 33 and the triangular grid, these symbols that some of you will remember and recall. And as you have them show up in your world, in your events as synchronicities, and even if they fall upon you now and you say, What is this with your conscious mind? We say, Just wait and be surprised. The turquoise ray is shining down and through and into you. If you take a breath now, you can breathe it in and to those energy centers who crave it so much. And this can be a soothing balm to your energy and an empowering energy to set right that which has gone wrong. And we do this with a cherishing of the path that was alternate because it did give us strength and it gave us perspective and it gave us something to bring back to that path of light. And you're called back now with the turquoise ray, the fractal light of God, the fractal light of source. And you're called back by masters and alchemists. For some of you, that is Saint Germain. Some of you, Jesus, Yeshua the Christ. For some of you, that is Francis of Assisi. And for some others of you, it is, it is, uh, it is Hermes Trismegistus. And it is so many others. And even for those of you who are identifying with the Divine Mother and her frequencies of nurturing and love and power and birthing. This is offered to you now. And we come to you from the perspective of Ra. We come to you from the perspective of those who are studying at the altar of great masters. And we say you are that master. We call to your awareness the law of resonance. And that you could only ever begin to entertain or hear the name of masters. Because you are that master as well. You're a fractal, an aspect. You are that great journeyer, that great wanderer. And we just give you this ray of turquoise to help you to also be home at the same time, O oh journeyer. Be home at the same time. For you are ever in the bosom of love. You are ever in the bosom of divine. And you are never part. You are never apart, away from divine. You are the finger of God. You are the blessing that has been dispatched from the lips of source. And you have done this of your own free accord for you have the choice. And so we call you home now with the attuning and with the grounding and the ascending light of turquoise. And this is for all. And we bring back the channel. And we say amen and so it is. All right, guys. Okay, well. I'm, I think that'll do it for this one. And I had a great time. Thank you so much for everyone who joined me here oh boy i enjoyed that channeling so thank you so much everyone for co-creating this right now i feel so good with that turquoise ray there were so many masters interdimensionals just bopping in and out of that frequency because you guys all called them in so thank you for allowing me to be in that energy with you um oh that was um yes it was powerful thank you I mean, I, that's not me saying, oh, pat me on the back. I mean, I'm thanking you because you all gave that to us. It felt so good to me too. So I just want to, as I'm signing off here, I want to remind you of the intuitive intensive uh, because I would really, uh, you know, I just, I know we're all coming together in the right divine timing, but I just want to mention it again. And it's class.lightshineacademy.com slash 2022, ii it starts next week. And this was so much fun. Maybe I'll see you again this week. Maybe I'll see you on Instagram. Find me there at Trisha Carr Charm. And uh, this was so fun. So I love you guys so much. Thank you for being here. Get to the in- get thee to the intensive. Yes, galactic beings, Brad. Yes, did you feel those? <sighs> I love you. Thank you. I love you too. And so have a beautiful night. I love you, whoever you are.